When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Welcome in, everybody. Another edition, a week two edition, college football betting. I am your host, Aaron Torres. Hope everybody's doing. Hope everybody enjoyed that five-day extravaganza that we call week one of college football. And let me say this. I hope you listened to the show and I hope you played some of the games that we talked about in the angles we discussed. We pretty much nailed everything last week. I told you that Minnesota, Nebraska would be ugly on Thursday, that Utah was going to destroy Florida, whether Cam Rising played or not. I predicted that Florida State would win by double figures. They did just that. I said Colorado could keep things close against TCU, if not went outright. And of course, they won outright. Here's the thing, though. As Lamar Jackson once said, nobody cares. Work harder. We're on to week two. Week one is behind us, and we got to do our best to keep our winning ways up. And we got ourselves a jam-packed slate to discuss. Obviously, the big one, Texas, Alabama. But beyond that, I mean, just a fascinating group of games. Miami hosting AM, Oregon at Texas Tech, Nebraska at Colorado. You go on and on down the list. It is wall-to-wall, awesome football all day Saturday, and we're going to get into it momentarily. Before we get started, just a quick reminder. One, make sure you're subscribed to the College Football Betting with Aaron Torres feed. Apple, Spotify, wherever you get podcasts. If I gave you some winners last week, do me a favor. Go on Apple, leave a five-star review, leave a rating. We haven't really ramped that up yet, but that does help us move up the charts. Also, make sure to subscribe on YouTube. YouTube channel starting to really gain some traction, so I appreciate everybody's support there. Tell a friend, whatever you do, however you get word out, We give out, I believe, as good information as anybody in the media, and we are going to keep rolling. So with that said, let's roll right into it. Week one one is in the books. Week two is here. Loaded slate, as I just said. And there is no better place to start than the game that everybody is talking about, everybody is excited about, and it comes from beautiful Bryant-Denny Stadium in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Alabama hosting Texas. Alabama, a seven-point favorite. The over-under set at 54-and-a-half. And of course, last year, this game was an absolute thriller as Alabama won in the final seconds. That was, of course, the game that unfortunately Quinn Ewers got hurt in. Heading into this one, I'll be blind. I just think this is a fascinating game from so many levels because what I believe is that it's really a statement game for both programs, right? Texas, have we arrived? And Alabama, I think their perspective is we want to prove to the world that we never left. So let's get into it. Let's discuss, and and really let's start by going back to last week. Texas, a big opening season win against Rice. 37-10 to was the final score. 
What was interesting about this one is I'll say this is I do think that if you just looked at the box score, you sit there and say, wow, Texas pretty much did everything you'd want Texas to do. 37 to 10 win Quinn Ewers, 300 yards passing 158 yards rushing from the Longhorns on top of that. Let's keep in mind that that defense, which obviously was much improved a year ago. And I think that is worth noting. Everybody's so focused on the offense at Texas, Steve Sarkeesian, that defense was really good last year, and it was phenomenal in week one against Rice, holding them to 176 yards of total offense. And oh, by the way, how about this? 27 yards rushing in that game. So on paper, it all looked good, but I do think it is worth noting a couple things. One, as great as the defense was, and I'm not going to take anything away from them, thought the offense actually left a little bit to be desired. 37 points sounds great on paper, but if you watch the game closely, it was not out of doubt until about mid to late third quarter. It was only 10 to three after, or 10 to, yeah, 10 to three, 10 to seven, excuse me, after the first quarter. And it was 16-7 going into the half. And so it wasn't until Texas scored 21 straight in the third quarter that they really put things away. Quinn Ewers, I thought he was good, but not great. 19 of 30 passing, 280 yards in that game, um, or 260 yards in that game. Uh, The offensive line, we've heard so much about the improvement there. I thought they were fine. I thought they weren't great. If anything, I actually thought it was the defense, which was uh, as good as advertised, if not better. From the Alabama perspective, it was, again, another situation. We saw exactly what we wanted to out of Alabama. All offseason, we've heard all sorts of things about this Alabama team. What are they about? What is their identity? After years of relying on Bryce Young, Tua Tonga-Viola, Jalen Hurts, Alabama wanted to reestablish itself as a power physical football team. They want to beat you up. And that's all we've heard all offseason. Anytime any of those guys does an interview, it's we're physical. We're back. We're dominating. Um, And I think it's been a cultural mindset all offseason. And at least for one game, it was much like Texas, pretty much what you wanted to see. Alabama finished with 205 yards rushing over five yards per carry in that game held Middle Tennessee State to just, you know, right around 200 yards of total offense. And then I think beyond that, the real story of the game, and I think we all know what it was, it was obviously Jalen Milrow, the now quarterback at Alabama. 13 of 18 passing, almost 200 yards, three touchdowns, had a great deep ball to Jermaine Burton, hit him right in stride, and then also rushed for another two touchdowns as well as Alabama gets the victory. Looking at this game and the bigger pictures, we start to transition to from what happened last week to what we think is going to happen this week. A couple things stand out to me in terms of what I want to see and what I hope to see in this game going forward. You know, from the Texas perspective, I am just fascinated to know how does Texas handle all the pressure that is coming to them over the course of this week? Last year, close, close was great. Close doesn't count. They almost pulled off the upset. But was that but but you watch them the rest of the year? And I I get it, right? Quinn Ewers was hurt. I understand that. But they finished eight and five. They had a couple ugly losses along the way. And so all offseason, we heard it again. Ewers is back. The wide receiver room may be the best team in the it may be the best in the country. The O-line is improved. The defense is very good. 
Like I said, the defense, I don't think people realize the defense was actually much better than a lot of people want to give them credit for uh, from a year ago. It was actually in many ways, I think it was the defense that was ahead of the offense last year. And again, I say that understanding that Quinn Ewers was out for a significant amount of time a year ago. I get that. But at the same time, go back and look at the stats. That defense was excellent for most of last season, uh, even as the offense was kind of up and down. Again, we think of Steve Sarkeesian. We think of offense. Well, Texas, solid, but they only ranked 55th nationally in total offense. How about this? They were fifth in the Big 12 alone in total offense. And it was actually the defense last year that was much better, 27th nationally in points per game allowed, 53rd nationally in total offense. So is this team really mature? Are they ready to go into the toughest road environment that they have played in? And then from the Alabama perspective, a few things stand out. One is obviously injuries, right? Uh, uh, Two defensive backs, Malachi Moore, Jalen Key, both left the game on Saturday with kind of bumps and bruises. Nick Saban didn't sound all that concerned when talking about them, but that's obviously something to monitor in the lead up to this game. And then I think what we also want to see is, can they fulfill the prophecy of the offseason? Can they do what they've said they're they're going to do? Be physical, be tough, run the football. And what about Jalen Milrow? It seems like at this point, the job is his, no doubt. Um, but as Nick Saban said, once I name a guy, remember he said this about a week or two ago. He said, once I name a guy, that's not the end of the conversation. That's just the beginning. So there's a lot to peel back, a lot to discuss. And let me go ahead and give you my pick. I actually really do like Alabama in this game, and I actually like them to not only win, but cover at home. First of all, you could go back to last year. It it was a disaster, but it was a disaster by Alabama standards. Let me me backtrack there. But even if you look at a lot of those close losses, a lot of it was Alabama self-inflicted wounds. I forgot this until I started doing the prep. Last year, yes, Alabama barely beat Texas. And yes, if Quinn Ewers never really got hurt, Um, maybe the game, the result is different. Alabama, and I forgot this, on the road, they had 15 penalties for 100 yards. I don't think that is going to happen on Saturday in Tuscaloosa. But more importantly, look, maybe I'm naive, but I am buying the Kool-Aid that this is a different program, this is a different group, that they are tougher, more physical up front. Was watching the game against Middle Tennessee State. I saw Cole Kublik, good friend of mine, love Cole, respect the hell out of him. I think he's the best analyst in college football, bluntly. He kept going back to, he said they Alabama has three different starters on their offensive line that are over 350 pounds. During the broadcast, he said it. He said, I called every offensive line coach I know. I called all my old buddies that I played offensive line with at Auburn. I have never heard of an offensive line with three different dudes that are 350 pounds plus but they're all athletic, they're all physical, they can all move, and again, they were awesome early in the game and against Middle Tennessee State. Obviously, it's a different deal against Texas, but like I said with Texas, we heard all, oh, it's going to be different, more physical, more tough, more this, more that. Didn't really think the offensive line was that great last week. And more importantly, when I think about this game, it comes back to what I've said about Texas all offseason. Do you trust the coach? Do you trust the quarterback? Because I don't trust either. And and, and let me say this. I don't root against anybody. I know Texas, oh, Torres hates Texas. I don't hate Texas. I guess I do have questions, though. But the bottom line is, by the way, I think it'd be like, you know how crazy college football would be if Texas was actually awesome? But at the same time, 
I'm not rooting against Steve Sarkeesian. I'm not rooting against Quinn Ewers, but I keep waiting for them to show me what I'm supposed to see. And I haven't seen it yet. Like I said, I said it in the preseason, Quinn Ewers, everyone freaked out because he was awesome in that one half against Alabama before he got hurt. And I don't wish injuries upon anybody to be abundantly clear. But at the same time, Quinn Ewers, after that, you know what? You know what his stats were to finish the year? 15 touchdowns, six interceptions, 56% completion percentage. And that's a guy that people are projecting as a first round pick this year. And now he's got to go into the toughest road environment in college football that he has seen since he has been a college football player, at least since he's been a starter. Sorry. If By the way, Quinn Ewers, go prove me wrong. But I haven't seen it yet. I keep waiting for, for, for it to emerge. I saw it from Shador Sanders in one game. I've seen it from Caleb Williams every single week for the last three years. I keep waiting for Quinn Ewers, and it has not happened yet. Maybe it's this weekend, but I don't see it. And then there's Steve Sarkeesian. Look, I'm not an anti-Sark guy. I'm not rooting against anybody. But I'll say this. Where are the big wins? By the way, I said it in the preseason. His entire career. This is his 10th year as a Power 5 head coach. He has zero seasons in which he has nine regular season wins. Went 8-4 eight, eight and four last year in the regular season, 8-5 and five overall. And had one year at USC where he won eight regular season games and a ninth in a bowl game. So he has one nine-win season, one eight-win season in 10 years. And so, like, at some point, you kind of are who you are. And I was thinking about this, too, and I went back and looked it up. Those second-half meltdowns from Texas, at some point, they stop becoming a coincidence, right? Like, 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 you go back to last year. Texas lost five games. I went back and looked it up. couple bad losses. Texas Tech, and I understand Quinn Ewers wasn't playing. But they were up 31-17 to with four minutes left in the third quarter. They ended up losing to Texas Tech. No Quinn Ewers, I get it. They were also up 34-24 to with two minutes left in the third quarter against Oklahoma State. End up losing that game. You go back two seasons ago. They were up 21 points against Oklahoma. Ended up losing that game. Up 13 points at half against Oklahoma State. Ended up losing that game. Up 11 points in the third quarter against Baylor. Ended up losing that game. Steve Sarkeesian, for whatever reason, it doesn't click in big games, in big moments. Great play caller on script. But once you get him off script, once you get him in the heat of battle, when he's not the offensive coordinator, but he's the head coach, I'm sorry. I haven't seen it yet. Sark, Texas, prove me wrong. I'll eat my crow on Monday. But until then, I like Alabama to win this game. I like Alabama to cover. I think it's close at the half, 14-14, 14-13, 14-10, one way or the other. But I have Alabama winning this game 31 to 21 because until they prove me wrong, I don't trust Quinn Ewers and I don't trust Steve Sarkeesian in big moments. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24 7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Let's get to the other big, big, big game featuring a big Texas school uh, going into, I guess you would say, uh, SEC country. Uh, Bad analogy. But let's get to the next big game. And this is a fascinating one. Texas A&M at Miami, Saturday, Hard Rock Stadium in Miami. Texas A&M is a four-and-a-half-point favorite. The over-under in this game is set at 51. I'll tell you what. Two teams that are both looking, two teams that enter the year both looking for positive momentum. Two teams both coming off five and seven seasons. Two teams that admittedly played inferior competition on week one. But both looked really, really, really good. Texas A&M, listen, I know it was only New Mexico. But game one of the Bobby Petrino era, I think it has to be considered a success. He said all offseason. He said our goal, I don't have an offense. My offense is get the ball in my playmakers' hands and let them make plays. Well, that is exactly what he did last week against New Mexico. Evan Stewart, the five-star. Was he going to stay? Was he going to go? Was he happy? Was he unhappy? Eight catches, 115 yards, two touchdowns for Evan Stewart. Noah Thomas, six catches in that game. Anaya Smith coming back from injury. Moose Muhammad, three catches apiece. So Texas A&M, they did their part. But I think the most telling stat for Texas A&M, 52 points in that game for the Aggies as they take care of business against New Mexico. New Mexico, excuse me. And I know what everyone say, oh, it's it's New Mexico. Who cares? Well, here's the stat that that you need to know. Texas A&M last year. They didn't score 40 points in a single game last year. A single game. Put up 31 in an ugly win against Sam Houston in week one. 13 against App State in week two, the game that basically melted down the internet. Put up 52 in week one. That is a pretty solid opening performance for Bobby Petrino. And again, I get it. Everyone's going to say it. We haven't seen what is it like, what happens in the fire in a big moment between him and Jimbo Fisher, what happens, we'll see, maybe this weekend. From the Miami perspective, I thought it was much the same, right? So Miami, or excuse me, Texas A&M, it was about getting the ball to playmakers. For Miami, remember Mario Cristobal, former offensive line coach, former offensive line men, his, his goal is to control the line of scrimmage, beat people up, they prioritized the offensive line in both recruiting and the transfer portal. Added Javian Cohen, the starting uh, guard from Alabama, to their offensive line. Added Matt Lee, an all-conference center from Central Florida. Added Francis Ma- Mawagoa, I believe is how you pronounce his name. Five-star, top-ten prospect. They wanted to reestablish the line of scrimmage. And that is exactly what they did last Friday night against Miami of Ohio. Again, Get that it's Miami of Ohio. Get that you don't want to make too many sweeping takeaways from that game. But if you want to control the line of scrimmage and prove that you are big and bad up front, well, guess what? 
This was a heck of a way to do it. 250 yards rushing, seven yards per carry. Henry Paris Jr., nine carries for 90 yards in that game. Mark Fletcher, a true freshman, nine carries, 76 yards with a touchdown. What's interesting about this one, as we start talking about the game itself, in theory, these two teams are actually go like their strengths are going up against the other team's weakness. And what do I mean by that? Well, Miami last year, if you know anything about Miami, you know, they they really struggled in a lot of different categories, but they were especially bad against the pass. Remember, what did Texas A&M want to do? Texas A&M, get the ball in the hands of your playmakers. Well, last year, Miami, 233 yards per game allowed passing. That was 79th in the country. Overall, 64th nationally in total defense. And then from the Miami perspective, this to me is very interesting. Texas A&M a year ago was very bad against the run, was very bad against uh, any physicality up front. 122nd nationally, giving up 208 yards per game rushing. And so I look at this game, and on the one hand, I could, believe it or not, and we haven't said this very often about many Texas A&M games, I could see it going over. I could see both teams trying to do what they want to do and establish what they want to establish. AM getting the ball to their playmakers, Miami running between the tackles. And I could see both of them having success. But the reality is I don't see both teams having success. And here is my pick for this game. I actually like Texas A&M to win outright and Texas A&M to cover. And again, I know, oh, Torres, he just loves Texas A&M. No. But what I do think is a few things here when it comes to this game. One, I mentioned the revamped offensive line for Miami going against a, a defensive front for Texas A&M that was not good last year. I also think some context matters here. One, Texas A&M had a ton of injuries up front. And Texas A&M, by the way, had to play all of those young guys last year. And so I thought it was very interesting from my perspective uh, watching the Texas A&M New Mexico game last Saturday. If you watch the game, Lewis Riddick was the play or the color commentator on that. Lewis Riddick is awesome at what he does. I think he's one of the best NFL analysts or, 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 or football analysts going. Again, he was the color commentator on that game. Why do I bring it up? He mentioned repeatedly, and I know it's New Mexico. I get it. How he he mentioned repeatedly though how much how how more put together and mature that young group along the defensive front was uh, Walter Nolan. If you watch that game jumped off the page, Edron Cooper at linebacker looked really good. Shamar Turner looked really good. A lot of guys, a lot of bodies, Damani Richardson at linebacker looked really good. A lot of guys flying around in the secondary. Josh DeBerry looked really, really, really good. And I bring it up because I know that offensive line should be a strength for Miami, but I do wonder this. They say, the football experts say offensive line is the most is the most difficult place to get cohesion quickly. In other words, quarterbacks can kind of work with their wide receivers all summer and figure it out. But the offensive line, it takes time and it takes experience and it takes games together. Look at Colorado, even Colorado last week. The offensive line wasn't very good, but Shador Sanders was so good at getting the ball out of his hands that it didn't end up mattering. And so I look at this Miami offensive line. I think they can gel by the end of the year. I also think it's a big ask for them to be ready for this defensive front, this many bodies, this early in the season, even at home. Two, I'll also say this. I think that Miami 
is it where Texas A&M is in terms of the quick fix rebuild? Now, to be clear, we know fixes can happen really quick in the portal era. Colorado this year, maybe Auburn, USC last year, LSU last year, TCU last year. But when I look at Miami, what stands out to me, last year they weren't even competitive, right? So Texas A&M, everybody crushes Texas A&M. They went five and seven. But here's the thing. Of their seven losses, I think most people know the stat. Five were by a touchdown or less for Texas A&M. Miami, five of their seven losses were by double figures a year ago. And you look at who Miami beat in 2021, it was not pretty for the Miami Hurricanes. This is who Miami ended up beating last year on their way to five and seven. Bethune-Cookman, Southern Miss, Virginia Tech, admittedly that was on the road, Virginia, and at Georgia Tech. And then they lost seven games, five of them by double figures. And so I don't don't know that they're that close yet. I worry about the O-line holding up. And finally... I don't generally love taking big underdogs on the road or or big favorites on the road, excuse me. But I look at this game and I ask, is it really going to be that difficult of a road environment? Did you see this? Miami is giving out buy one, get one free tickets for this game. In other words, you buy a ticket to this game, you get a free ticket to another game later in the year. And as a guy who grew up on the late 90s, early 2000s, Miami Hurricanes, it boggles my mind that they cannot fill that stadium. And I know Miami's a fair weather town and all that good stuff. I think the knocking down the Orange Bowl, the move to uh, Hard Rock Stadium, I have driven through there. It's in the middle of nowhere. It's not easy to get to. I think it hurts this team. And the buzz is Texas A&M is going to bring a lot of fans down there this weekend. And so I could go on and on. But I do like Texas A&M to win. I do like them to cover. think probably in the range of what I said for Texas, Alabama. 31-20, something like that as a final score. I'll stay away from the over-under, and I will strictly take Texas A&M outright. Finally, before we get to break, this first segment's already like 82 minutes long, but that's okay. It's what we do here on College Football Betting. Um, let's get to America's team. Before we get to break, we got to talk the Colorado Buffaloes. Not sure if you heard, pretty good opening week for Deion Sanders, Coach Prime, and Colorado. They beat TCU 45-42, and now they're hosting their former Big 8 rival, Big 12 rival in Nebraska. Interesting line movement on this one, to say the least. Nebraska in the summer, when you put out when, 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 when Vegas put out their way too early lines for week one, Nebraska was about a touchdown favorite. I think about a six, six and a half point favorite. Well, it reopened on Sunday as Colorado as a three-point favorite, and the line really hasn't moved much throughout the week. What's interesting, let's start with the Nebraska perspective, okay? Poor freaking Nebraska, okay? So poor freaking Nebraska. I think we all watched it on Thursday, especially those of us who have Spectrum and couldn't watch any of the other games. Uh, But poor Nebraska just cannot catch a break, okay? They played Minnesota at Minnesota, the debut of Matt Rule, And it was wild, right? Because you look at uh, Minnesota, you look at Nebraska, and what was the story with Nebraska for all those years under Scott Frost? They're so close, but can't quite get over the hump. So what happens? New coach, new era, everything is going to be better under Matt Rule. Well, it was the same old Nebraska. Close, low-scoring, back-and-forth game. Nebraska, how about this? They were up 10 to three with the ball 
under five minutes to go and still managed to lose in regulation. Jeff Sims fumbles the ball. Minnesota comes down and scores a touchdown. Next possession, Jeff Sims throws an interception. Minnesota gets in field goal range. They win 13-10, to a walk-off field goal for the Minnesota Golden Gophers. So Nebraska, it's very much the same. Um, you know, I listen, we'll, we'll get into some of the, 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 the particulars in a minute. And then from the Colorado perspective, I don't think you need to tell me to tell you what happened. It was one of the highest rated games of the weekend. I think close to 8 million people were watching Colorado TCU. Uh, I think I mentioned it on the Aaron Torres pod, but I, I I'm blown away. I, I mean, I knew coach prime was going to be big and I don't know if it's just cause it, it was week one. There was no NFL. It was on Fox. And as I said, a lot of people don't get ESPN. But I had a lot of people, or don't get ESPN right now because of the charter deal. I had so many people that aren't even college football fans reaching out to me like, Torres, are you watching this game? This is unbelievable. I can't believe what I'm seeing from Colorado. So the game was huge. And obviously what Colorado did speaks for itself. They're not a perfect finished product. The offensive line isn't great. But Shador Sanders and obviously the offensive coordinator, Sean Lewis, put together a brilliant game plan around it. And that game was about the offense. It was about Shador Sanders, and it was about the wide receivers. Shador Sanders finishes with 510 yards passing, four touchdowns, and of course, the wide receivers speaks for themselves. Dylan Edwards, 135 yards receiving, three receiving touchdowns, one rushing touchdown. Travis Hunter, 11 catches, 119 yards, probably should have had at least one, maybe two touchdowns. Jimmy Horn, 11 catches, 117 yards with a touchdown, and Xavier Weaver, Six catches, 118 yards. Of course, it also is worth noting, TCU, especially late, was able to move the ball. Uh, TCU finishes with 42 points in that game, uh, has over 500 yards of total offense. And more specifically, I thought the run game for TCU was very effective. 262 yards for TCU, seven yards per carry. And I'm not talking about it to kind of talk about it from the TCU perspective. I'm talking about it to say, as great as the win for Colorado was, they weren't perfect, they have things to clean up, and they certainly have deficiencies as a team. Now, in terms of the Nebraska game on Saturday, let me say this. A couple things stand out. First off, the fact that this line opened at three and has pretty much stayed at three all week, it means to me Vegas wants you to take Nebraska. Here's the thing, though. Or, excuse me, Colorado. They want you to take Colorado. Oh, Colorado's only a three-point favorite. Now they're at home in front of their home fans. Here's my question, though. Vegas wanted you to take Colorado last week. Colorado was the most bet-on team in terms of total bets and volume of bets in terms of total money of anyone in college football last week, at least for the Saturday games. Don't know if Sunday or Monday got any bigger. But I bring it up because Vegas wanted you to take Colorado last week, so I don't see why it matters this week. And two, I'll just be blunt. When I look at this game, it's hard not to like Colorado. Now, look, I get that Nebraska, like Nebraska coming in, no hype, no expectations. And Colorado, listen, they've been dealing a week of, of media attention, the biggest story in sports, lead up to the NFL, all that. Doesn't really concern me, though, and I'll tell you why. One, it's because Deion Sanders and Shador Sanders and Travis Hunter, those guys have all been through this before. Last week, last year, excuse me, every game they played was the biggest game on the other team's schedule. And so for them, bouncing back after a big win is nothing new. Even going into last week, I mean, they were talking about it on the broadcast. Sonny Dyke's like, well, I'm tar- we're tired of hearing about Colorado. It's like, 
well, maybe you should have worried about the game plan instead of listening to, uh, to, 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 you know, the media. But I look at this game, and I'll be blunt. Even if I know Vegas wants me to take Colorado, I'm having a real tough time figuring out the justification for taking Nebraska instead. One, the game's at home. But two, like, what is the Nebraska blueprint to win this game? Now, I know what you would say. You would say Nebraska really, listen, they weren't great last week. Um, and I, I I do think it is worth noting. Their run defense was really good and their run offense was really good. And so you look at last week against Minnesota, they gave up 55 yards rushing and about two and a half yards per carry. That's really good. And I think that's going to win them a lot of games in the Big Ten West. My concern is, though, Colorado's that's not they're not about running the ball between the tackles. They're the opposite. Get the ball out, get it in space. And so that doesn't really play to Nebraska's strengths. Nebraska, whether intentional or not, they're built to beat Iowa. They're built to compete with the old Wisconsin. We'll see. We'll talk about the new Wisconsin in a minute against Washington State. They're built to compete with, again, Iowa, Minnesota, who they just played. I don't think they're built to stop teams with athletes in space. And then from the offensive perspective, I look at it like this. Listen, Jeff Sims is who he is. I'm not rooting against anybody. That's not what I'm about. But I look at this game, and you look at Jeff Sims. Last week, 114 yards passing, one touchdown, three interceptions. That's who he's been his entire career. I thought there was way too much Jeff Sims revisionist history over the last couple uh, weeks coming into the season. His best season at Georgia Tech, 60% completion percentage, 12 touchdowns, 7 interceptions. And I know he didn't have a lot of talent with him at Georgia Tech. He didn't have a lot of talent with him in Nebraska this year. A couple good running backs, but I don't think I don't think he's that good of a passer. And I don't think Nebraska's skill position guys are that good. And so you look at Jeff Sims. He's great on his feet. He's great with the ball in his hands. Not great as a passer, but here's my thing. If the argument is he can make plays with his feet, doesn't that kind of play into Colorado's strengths? Again, Colorado, their weakness on offense, they can't. They probably aren't going to be able to run the ball between the tackles all year. That's why they're getting the ball out quick in space. But on defense, it's kind of the same. They don't have those elite difference makers up front yet. They shouldn't. It's year one in Colorado under Coach Prime. But what do they have? They have a lot of really good defensive backs. Travis Hunter speaks for himself. Shiloh Sanders, Coach Prime's older son, Started his career at South Carolina in the SEC. Uh, Amarion Cooper, the other corner, started his career at Florida State. He can play. The Woods kid had an interception last week. So Colorado's strengths are playing to Nebraska's strengths. Nebraska's strength is find Jeff Sims a crease and let him run. I don't think that's going to work against the athleticism of Colorado. So I could go on and on. But as I look at this game, the result, the answer feels pretty obvious to me. I like Colorado to win. I like Colorado to cover. I just don't see the scenario where unless Colorado turns the ball over a million times and that's not the quarterback that Shador Sanders is, six total interceptions last year, I don't see how Nebraska is able to keep up. I'll say it's more low scoring than expected. I'll say like a, I don't want to say 31-21 again. I'll say 34-21. I'll say 34-26. 34-26 Nebraska. A lot of field goals for Nebraska. I like Colorado to win and cover. All right. That was probably about a 40-minute first segment. I have no idea how long it was. 
We're going to do take a quick break, come back and look at uh, the rest of this just loaded, jam-packed week two slate. We're going to talk Wazoo, Wisconsin. We're going to talk what else? We're going to talk Oregon, Texas Tech. We're going to talk, I don't even know, a lot of big games. Come back, quick break, discuss them all next. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChampaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. All right, everybody. Hi, back. Good to be back. Good to be back. Uh, wow. 33 minutes for that opening segment of the college football betting podcast. Don't know what to say. Even for me, that is a lot of content. Uh, so let's kind of try to be quick. What I, what I want to do is spend four or five minutes on a couple of the other big games. Then I think I'll just kind of give a quick thought on some of the other ones. If you want extended content, you can go to the college football betting YouTube channel. We'll have plenty of previews up there throughout the week, but let's get back into it. Let's start with a very interesting game in Lubbock, Texas, Oregon, the Oregon Ducks going to Texas Tech. Weird scheduling thing. Oregon is a six and a half point favorite. The over under is set at 69. And you talk about two teams that just had completely different experiences in week one. Doesn't get much more different than these two schools. Oregon, it was a heck of a week one. Did you see the final score of when they played Portland State? 81 to seven was the final score. 81 to seven. The final score, that doesn't even seem real, yet it was. And it was just, listen, it was one of those, everything that could go right did. Bo Nix, 23 of 27 passing, three touchdowns. Bucky Irving, 100-plus rushing yards on just four carries, multiple 100-yard receivers. And then on the defensive side, a group that struggled last year holds Portland State under 200 yards. I think it was actually exactly 200 yards. So a great effort from Oregon. And then there's Texas Tech. Texas Tech plays a true road game at Wyoming, and they end up losing 35-33 in double overtime. And before we get to this game itself, let me just say this. Listen, I am all for power fives going to play group of fives. I'm a UConn alum. UConn just hosted NC State last week. They're hosting Duke in a couple weeks. I bring it up because I don't know why any school ever schedules these games, okay? Um And I I know that these games are scheduled years in advance. I believe the Wyoming, Texas Tech series was scheduled in like 2013. This game was actually supposed to be played in 2020. Obviously, COVID canceled it. But you just have nothing to gain if you're Texas Tech going into the mountains at altitude, the best crowd that Wyoming's probably going to have all year. Um, I don't get it. 
But what I would also say as it pertains to this game, I think it's a dangerous, dangerous, dangerous spot for Oregon. Listen, from the Oregon perspective coming into this one, that offense was great. That defense was great. But let's call a spade a spade. You not only played an FCS team last week, credit to you for beating the FCS team the way you want to, but they're not even a good FCS team. Portland State 4-7 and seven last year. And so we know that Oregon offense is good. But first of all, first game without Kenny Dillingham, they looked good. We'll see what happens when you're on the road in a raucous environment in Lubbock. But two, I don't really know if your defense, which wasn't very good last year, is improved. Remember, this was a team that Oregon, 74th nationally in points allowed, 70th nationally in 300 uh, with 381 yards per game allowed, and 101st nationally in pass defense. By the way, you're going up against one of the best pass offenses in college football a year ago. And then I look at the Texas Tech perspective, and it's actually the exact opposite. Yes, you lost to Wyoming, but a couple things stood out. One, as I said, everything that could go wrong did. You're playing at altitude. You have seven penalties, some of them costly at the worst possible time. There's a weird weather delay that extends this one super late. It's a weird thing. It's a weird deal, whatever. But I also thought there were some positives. For a Texas Tech defense that was not good last year, 107th nationally in total defense, 102nd nationally in pass defense, they actually looked pretty good. They outgained Wyoming on offense by over 100 yards. They held Wyoming to just 320 yards in the game, 149 yards passing. And so for a team that's looking for positives on defense, you got them. And then the offense was really good despite the final score not reflecting it. 431 yards of total offense, and that pass offense was a lead again. 30, 338 yards passing, 31 of 47. And so that's where it gets interesting. That elite Texas Tech pass offense going up against a very questionable Oregon pass defense. Now, from the Oregon perspective, the positive of it is Oregon really did do a great job of fortifying that defense in the offseason. Credit where it's due. I think Dan Lanning is doing as good a job as anybody in this portal era. Combination of a really good recruiting class with really good portal guys. You add Jordan Birch from South Carolina up front. You add Taishim Johnson, a corner from Ole Miss. You add Kyrie Jackson, a corner from Alabama. You add Evan Williams, a safety from Fresno. And then, oh, by the way, you also added a five-star up front in Mateo Uyangalale, the brother of DJ. So I'm curious to see how this Oregon defense responds. But I'll tell you, from a win-loss, who wins, what's the bet perspective, this one's a stay away to me. Sometimes on this show, I do this. I will not give you a pick if I do not have one. If I would not put my own money on this game, I will not give you one. And I can't put my money on this one because you look at this game, Oregon. I just mentioned Texas tech going to Wyoming, Oregon. This just doesn't feel like you have a lot to gain. You have to go to Lubbock, tough place to get to really tough place to play. Texas lost there last year. A bunch of Oklahoma lost there last year as well. Um, you're playing a Texas tech team that, Oh, by the way, is pretty good, is talented, can score the football. And also two other things really stand out about this game. One, the six and a half hasn't moved. Doesn't it just feel like Vegas wants you to take Oregon? Oh, it's just a, not even a, all they got to do is win by a touchdown. You'll be good. You'll be fine. Sorry. That scares me a little bit. And two, I'll also say this. I'm a fan of college football, have been for a while. I know you guys and girls are too. Otherwise, you wouldn't be listening to this show. Doesn't this just feel like the kind of game Oregon's going to lose? Like, like, can't we just see how the Oregon season is going to unfold? 
Oregon's going to lose this game. Everyone's going to write them off. Then they're going to go undefeated the rest of September, undefeated October. They'll be eight and one going into November. And then they'll take a bad loss at the worst possible time. So listen, can Oregon win this game? I mean, they put up 81 points last week. Of course they can win this game. But you look at the matchup specifically. The Texas Tech pass offense, that's their strength against a rebuilt Oregon secondary. Um, and you look at the crowd, you look at the environment, you look at the line. Total stay away to me. By the way, the over of 69 is just way too many for me in this, this advanced, you know, move the move the clock era. Total, total, total stay away to me. Let's keep it going. Another interesting cross-sectional matchup, kind of two conference teams that wouldn't normally play each other. Washington State hosting Wisconsin in Pullman. Interesting, a little bit of money actually came in on Washington State earlier in the day on Wednesday. Wisconsin was a six and a half point favorite when I woke up. As I record here, that number is down to six. The over under is set at 58 and a half. Very interesting dynamics for these two teams coming in. From the Wisconsin perspective, I'll be blunt. What I mentioned about Texas a minute ago is kind of how I feel about Wisconsin and their week one performance. You look at the final score of that Wisconsin game against uh, against Buffalo, and you say, oh, Luke Ficklier, it's off to a rip-roaring start. 38-17 to te- 17 was the final score. They looked awesome. Well, it was 14-3 to three at halftime. And what I think was more interesting about that is that the, the, the expectation with Wisconsin, we know what it was. We talked about it on the show when we did our Big Ten West preview. It was that. The expectation, in my opinion, was like this offense, uh, air raid with run principles, uh, Tanner Mordecai comes in, they're going to throw the ball all over the field and still run the ball effectively. That was not really the case in week one. First off, they just struggled to get anything going early. It was 14 to 10 at halftime, so they didn't pull away until about the mid to late third quarter. But then beyond that, it was actually the run game and the ground game which carried them. 314 yards rushing for Wisconsin, just 189 yards passing for Tanner Mordecai in this offense at home against Buffalo. From the Washington State perspective, listen, credit where it's due, man. You know, we talked about weird road games. They actually went on the road to Colorado State and still was able to get the victory in convincing fashion. Put up 50 points in that win. And I think what was most impressive, 466 yards for Cam Ward through the air, 466 yards on the road. I don't care who you're playing. I don't care what the competition is. That is impressive. And so when I look at this game, the game now shifts to Washington State. Remember, a year ago, these two teams played in Madison. Washington State pulls off the upset. Well, fast forward to 2023, you're going out to Pullman. I like Washington State to not only cover the points, I like them to get the win outright. Let me tell you why. One, this just feels like a tough, tough, tough spot for Wisconsin. You look at the situation that Wisconsin is in, going on the road. This is a team that has to fly across country. This is a team that, oh, by the way, opens up Big Ten play soon. New coach, new system, new offense. And you're going to go into a snake pit in Pullman in a situation where this is the biggest home game that they've had in some time, certainly out of conference. I could be wrong on this, but I believe I heard the stat that this is like the first ever power five team to come to Pullman in the out of conference. So huge game for Washington state. It's sold out. And I didn't like the way that this Wisconsin offense looked 
last week in the debut. I think they'll get there. I like Wisconsin. I picked them to win the Big Ten West. think they can upset Ohio State when Ohio State comes to town in late October. But right now, in mid-September, that Wisconsin team has a lot of work to do. I think they'll get better over time, but I like Washington State to win. Really quickly, let's just rip through some of the rest of the games in college football this weekend. I'm not going to spend too much time on these because I honestly don't have a great, great, great feel for any of them. The one that I will say I do think I have a feel for, a lot of Pac-12 vibes right now on this episode. Just talked about Oregon, just talked about Washington State. We have a Pac-12 opener at the LA Coliseum. USC hosting Stanford late night game. USC is actually a 29 point favorite in this game at the LA Coliseum. Stanford comes to town. The over under in this game, by the way, 69 and a half. Now in terms of this game, I'll be blunt. This is one that I actually do like. I actually like Stanford to cover the 29 points. I don't think they're going to win, but here's why I like Stanford for USC. A couple things. One, this is their third game in a row that they're coming in, that they know they're a heavy favorite. They know they're going to win, and it's a matter of just figuring out by how much. Beat San Jose State in a sloppy performance in week zero. Beat Nevada, beat Nevada, excuse me, in week one. This is now week two, third straight game. Third straight game that Lincoln Riley is going to have to get his team motivated to play a team they know they're better than. Also worth noting, because USC played in week zero, they get two buys during the season. They actually have a buy next week. They do not play next week, and so we know how college kids are. Looking ahead, get a week off, couple days off of practice, just got to get through Stanford. Well, you're hosting a Stanford team. You're one under Troy Taylor. Troy Taylor had one of the elite offenses a year ago as head coach at Sacramento State. Now, I know this isn't Sacramento State. I know Stanford doesn't have a ton of weaponry on this roster, but this was a team that in week one went out to Hawaii And I thought they looked about as good as you could expect for week one in Stanford in the portal era. This obviously isn't a school that can bring in, you know, 50 guys through the portal like others. They finished with 406 yards of total offense. Austin Daniels, 248 yards passing, 158 yards on the ground. And listen, I think we get a sloppy performance from USC. I know that statistically it looked better last week. Statistically, it looked better. They they took care of business against Nevada. Go back and look. They gave up 350 yards passing against Nevada last week, and I can see the scenario. Can Stanford keep it close? I think they can. I think USC wins somewhere in the neighborhood of like 45 to 24, go into their bye, and get ready for the rest of the season. A couple other games, at least as of right now, no strong feel for. Notre Dame and NC State, listen, really fun on paper. Two really interesting transfer quarterbacks, Sam Hartman, Brennan Armstrong, Uh, I will say as a UConn fan, watch Brennan Armstrong really on the ground be effective against UConn a week ago at Wrenchler Field. Sam Hartman, it speaks for himself. But remember, Notre Dame played a neutral site game in week one, took care of business last week in week uh, week zero, excuse me, and then last week took care of business in week one. This will be a tough, hostile environment in Raleigh. Total, total, total stay away to me. Huge number, I feel like, for Notre Dame. Notre Dame is over a touchdown favorite, seven and a half, the over under 51. I think Brennan Armstrong, the quarterback for NC State, reunited with his old offensive coordinator, Robert Anai. They can keep things close, maybe pull off the upset. I like NC State to cover. Couple other games, you know, to go back out to the West Coast. Auburn going to Cal, a six and a half point favorite. 
53 and a half is the over under. Listen, weird game. First of all, Auburn is going to have like the majority of fans there. Uh, the kid who runs our all, Torres on Auburn account, he is already in California for that game with his buddies. They're expecting a huge crowd of Auburn fans. First time they played on the West Coast in forever. First time that Cal has hosted an SEC team in their home venue. But at the same time, as good as Auburn was, and they were awesome in week one, Cal also had 669 yards of total offense in a road game at North Texas. So this is one you can bet it if you want. I am staying away. No strong feel there. Um, and just looking at the rest of the slate, there are so many interesting games. Utah Baylor, by the way, total stay away to me. Utah is a seven and a half point favorite in that one. Um, but Baylor is obviously going to be without Blake shape in their starting quarterback. We don't know about cam rising as of right now. So that one is a stay away to me. Oklahoma, a 15 and a half point favorite against SMU. I know Oklahoma won 73 to nothing last week, but I'll be staying away from that one. And then I think a really interesting one is Tulane hosting Ole Miss. Ole Miss, a seven and a half point favorite, the over under at 67. Remember, Tulane won 12 games a year ago, beat USC in the Cotton Bowl. Now Ole Miss has to go on the road. I know they were awesome in week one, but you got to go to New Orleans. It's going to be a tough place. Total stay away to me. All right, I think that's it for this episode of College Football Betting with Aaron Torres. Uh, I do think it is time for me to get out of here. Long episode, but fun episode. Uh, and, and we got ourselves a heck of a week two slate. If you're not subscribed, please make sure to do so. Apple, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, make sure to do that. Also, make sure to check out the College Football Betting YouTube channel. Just search College Football Betting with Aaron Torres on YouTube. You'll find it. Really appreciate everybody's support there. As I said to lead the show, if you could leave a rating and review on Apple, that would be very much appreciated. But I think that's all for today's show. It is time for me to get out of here. Thank you again for your support. I'll be back next week, week three, previewing all the big games. Then we got some big ones next week as well. Until then, make sure you're listening. Make sure you subscribe. Enjoy YouTube. Enjoy the games, everybody. On Saturday. I know that I will. By the way, extended updates on some of these other games on YouTube. Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly plus free daily bonuses, so don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18+. Plus. Step into the world of power. Loyalty and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.